high-profile visitors have arrived in Taiwan. Former Australian Prime Minister Tony Abbott, who served from 2013 to 2015, flew in on Tuesday by way of Singapore. The former PM is scheduled to address this year's Yushan Forum on Friday. Also in Taipei is French Senator Alain Richard, who's made the trip despite opposition from Beijing. Richard and his delegation are here for five days, and they'll meet a host of top Taiwan officials. Elon Richard, head of the French Senate's Taiwan Friendship Group, arrived in Taiwan early Wednesday morning. He exchanged an elbow bump with Deputy Foreign Minister Harry Tsung and stopped to pose for a group photo. After vigorous promotion by Senator Richard, the French Senate for the first time overwhelmingly approved a resolution supporting Taiwan's participation in international organizations. Richard will be in Taiwan from October 6 to 10. He's scheduled to meet the president and to receive an order of propitious clouds with special grand cordon in recognition of his support for Taiwan. He will also meet Premier Su Chang and control Yuan President Chen Jui to discuss French-Taiwan exchanges and their economic recovery after COVID. Legislative Speaker Yo Shikun and Foreign Minister Joseph Wu will host banquets in his honor. Taiwan and France have a deep and abiding partnership, and they both proactively demonstrate concern over important global issues. I hope that Chairman Richard and all of you seated here today will continue to support Taiwan's participation in the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change and the World Health Organization, so that Taiwan can contribute to the world. Richard served as France's Minister of Defense from 1997 to 2002. In 2015, he became chair of the French Senate's Taiwan Friendship Group and has visited Taiwan three times since. Ahead of his latest visit, Chinese Ambassador Lu Xiaoye repeatedly expressed his opposition, yet the French senator pressed ahead. <laughs> Former Australian Prime Minister Tony Abbott has also arrived in Taiwan. Abbott has spoken up for Taiwan on numerous occasions. Most recently, he spoke in support of Taiwan's bid to join the CPTPP, or the Comprehensive and Progressive Agreement for a Trans-Pacific Partnership. Abbott will meet with top Taiwan officials, including President Tsai Ing-wen and head of the National Security Council, Wellington Ku. He's scheduled to deliver a keynote at the Yushan Forum on Friday. For the first time since World War II, Japan has command of its own full-fledged aircraft carrier. Japan has completed key modifications of its Izumo helicopter carrier, giving it the capacity to accommodate fixed-wing planes. Last Sunday, U.S. fighter jets launched a series of flight tests on the newly converted carrier. The flight trials come at a time of heightened regional tensions, with China deploying a record number of warplanes in Taiwan's proximity. An F-35B fighter jet, the mainstay of the U.S. Air Force, lands on the deck of Japan's Izuma-class helicopter carrier, deploying its vertical landing capabilities. After landing, the jet moves forward slowly, guided by the officers on board. Following a quick inspection, it zips down the short runway and takes to the skies again. This was the first flight trial of the F-35B fighter jet on Japan's converted JS Izumo. Excluding U.S. Navy vessels, the JS Izumo is the world's fourth vessel that can support F-35B landings. The trial, which began last Sunday, was the first of its kind in Asia. It also inaugurated Japan's first full-fledged aircraft carrier. The refitting has allowed the JS Izumo to become a multi-purpose escort vessel that can carry F-35Bs. From today on, it will be used to defend our country. 
The JS Azumo entered service in 2015 and has a total displacement of 270,000 tons when fully loaded. The vessel is equipped with air and sea radars and air defense missiles. Previously, it could carry up to 28 helicopters of different models. With its conversion to an aircraft carrier, it can now hold up to 10 F-35B fighter jets. It's a substantial upgrade to Japan's maritime capabilities. Japan has been preparing for the shift from pseudo-aircraft carriers to the real thing for 20 years. Now that the technology for the F-35B is relatively mature, they took the standard approach and strengthened the deck of the JS Izumo so that it can support F-35Bs. Japan is making headlines for more than its new aircraft carrier. Last week, Japan deployed three ships to conduct joint military exercises with six countries including the U.S., the U.K., and Canada in the South China Sea. The move didn't go unnoticed by Beijing. The JS Ise with a displacement of 13,500 tons is similar to a light aircraft carrier. The three-deck cruiser design has been referred to by Japanese media outlets as an aircraft carrier-style destroyer. The vessel was one among 17 taking part in a joint drill held by six countries. The exercise's ultimate goal is to contain China's strengthening maritime activity. Militarily, the situation on the Taiwan Strait is, I would like to report with committee members. It's the most severe that I've seen in my 40 years in the military. Taiwan's defense chief said cross-strait tensions are the worst of his career. To counter Beijing, the cabinet has proposed extra defense spending of 240 billion NT over the next five years. The funds are destined for defense systems, including the Xiongfeng 2E missile system. The system is reported to have a range of 600 kilometers and up to 1,200 kilometers when equipped with enhanced missile heads. Meanwhile, on Tuesday, the U.S. disclosed the number of nuclear weapons it has in stockpile. Altogether, Washington has 3,750 nuclear weapons, including those in active status and those in long-term storage. Japan, Taiwan and the U.S. are fully on guard, signaling to China to avoid acting rashly. Shots are being administered at a brisk pace as the steady relay of vaccine deliveries come in. Clinics are now offering doses of AstraZeneca, Moderna and Medigen along with first doses of Pfizer. According to the CECC, Taiwan's single-dose coverage rate has reached 57.89%. Progress is on track to hit 60% by National Day on Sunday. There's a constant flow of people at this vaccination site. On the first day of the 10th vaccination round, Taipei's Changgung Memorial Hospital opened an AstraZeneca clinic specifically for people aged 65 and older. I took a look right after midnight and ended up making an appointment for today at 9.20. We've been seeing people aged 50 to 64 get their shots. For those of us 65 and older, it didn't feel right not to be vaccinated. Special clinics for older adults are being offered at seven Taipei hospitals, which will administer about 20,000 doses in all. Second shots of Moderna are also rolling out to older adults and select high-risk groups. At this vaccination site, medical workers take care to ensure each person is going where they should. One Moderna recipient says she's delighted her long wait is over. I'm very happy. I'd waited so long. It took more than three months to get my second shot. Delays usually happen when the timing of vaccine deliveries is incorrectly estimated. As long as you can administer the second dose in time, the body should be able to maintain immunity. Experts say that slightly extending the interval between the two shots should not have an effect on protection. 
In this latest round of vaccinations, 794,000 people have appointments for AstraZeneca, 79,000 are booked for Medigen, and 297,000 are booked for Pfizer. More than 50% of people vaccinated with one Medigen dose have made an appointment for a second. Taiwan's single-dose vaccination rate now stands at 57.89%. The nation is on track to hit 60% coverage around National Day on Sunday. Taiwan has passed its seventh day in a row with zero local COVID cases. But there were five imported cases, including a fully vaccinated pilot employed by a Taiwanese airline. The CECC said the pilot's CT value was low at 22. This indicates that she was infected only recently. Let's now go to the CECC. She tested negative for N antigens, but tested positive for S antigens. So it seems that she only just developed the disease. Was she infected on assignment to Anchorage or Singapore? We'll need to investigate further to determine that. This case is a pilot, a co-pilot, who had received two doses of a COVID vaccine. She received two doses of Moderna. So we have now seen four pilots who tested positive following a full vaccination. This is the first case involving the Moderna vaccine. The pilot's two co-workers and three family members have already tested negative for COVID. She has two school-aged children whose classes have been suspended until next Tuesday. 114 of her children's school contacts will be tested for COVID. Taiwan's economics minister has responded to a U.S. request for sensitive client information from TSMC. The request was issued on September 23rd, and it asked the semiconductor manufacturing company for its top clients' production capacity and other details on product and inventory. Speaking to lawmakers on Wednesday, Minister Wang Meihua emphasized that disclosing the information was purely voluntary. She said that Washington had not targeted TSMC, but had sent its questionnaire to chip manufacturers and users across several countries. At the legislative yuan, the KMT caucus called on the Thai administration to protect TSMC. The U.S. government recently asked the chipmaker to provide a list of its clients, inventory and other sensitive data. TSMC dominates the stock market with a weighting of 29%. It's nearly 30%. The release of this data would directly infringe on the rights and interests of investors. I call on the Thai administration to toughen its stance. One retail investor applied for provisional injunction at the Shinju District Court in an attempt to bar TSMC from handing sensitive information to a foreign government. There must be some misunderstanding. The U.S. sent these questionnaires to chip firms and chip users. Filling them in is not mandatory. Last Friday, the economics minister had said providing the data was voluntary. Regarding the U.S. request for information, we are on top of the situation. It is indeed the case that providing this information is voluntary. Everyone also knows that the U.S. Department of Commerce invited firms from South Korea, Taiwan and so on to conduct exchanges on semiconductor supply chains. These questionnaires were handed out to every firm. It wasn't targeted. 
Responding to lawmakers on Wednesday, the economics minister said the government had reached out to Taiwan firms right at the outset. She said that TSMC would respect business ethics and norms and provide only information that does not harm the rights and interests of its shareholders and clients. Consumer prices shot up 2.63% year-over-year in September, according to government data. That's the fastest rise seen in eight and a half years. Due to flooding that struck agricultural areas this summer, vegetable prices were up by more than 26% year-on-year. Fruits were 3.27% more expensive. The cost of pork was up 7.75%, representing the largest rise in six years. There was also a significant increase in the cost of transport. Airfare was up nearly 33%, while the cost of fuel rose by nearly 25%. In November, Tainan will once again host its indie music festival known as Luckfest for Lucky People. The event will feature 60 bands and musicians at six venues throughout the city. Our very own Stephanie Yang has the story. Luckfest is a festival that showcases local and international music talent. The four-day festival will take place in Tainan from November 25th to 28th with more than 60 performances held at six venues across the city. The festival will be held both physically and online this year due to the pandemic. According to organizers, 50% of the acts that apply to participate were from abroad. More than 600 bands signed up during the registration period this year. Among them, 51% of the applicants are from other countries. This year's festival is the same as those of previous years. What makes it unique is the many styles, types and range of music being showcased. There's a comfortable romanticism to the music. I think a lot of people will feel that as they're walking around at the festival, that the music is comfortable and romantic. Now that the restrictions are eased up, it's a great time to go and enjoy this music. Organizers have announced the first wave of performers, which include Gogo Machine Orchestra, Robot Swing, and others. In addition to performances, there will be workshops and forums with international artists held physically and online. We are now in the fifth year. Currently, we have more than 60 groups and performers that, with our help, have obtained performance opportunities, record contracts, or deals. This year, we will begin putting content online as well. It is not just an alternative platform for this year. In the future, it will always be a platform. We're moving toward bringing physical and virtual programming into a state of coexistence. It's estimated that over 200 international professionals will join the event. Organizers hope to catapult talented Taiwanese artists to the global stage. For Mosa News, Stephanie Yang, Lu Botong in Taipei. Kunding National Park is urging visitors to wear masks and observe social distancing in the region this National Day long weekend. Many tourists are expected to descend on the area over the National Daybreak, raising concerns about large crowds congregating on the beach. Local authorities are even asking divers and surfers to put masks back on as soon as they're out of the water. Since the COVID alert was reduced, Kunding's beaches have attracted crowds every sunny day. The CECC now says we can take masks off in open spaces like beaches or mountains if social distancing can be maintained. But Kunding National Park authorities are concerned about crowds on the upcoming National Day weekend. They urge visitors to keep masks on on the beach. Yeah. I'll wear one. 
I'm only bringing my kids out because it's allowed now. Yes, yes, absolutely, to protect myself and protect others. These beachgoers support mask wearing and will keep masks on at National Day. They only take their mask off when nobody's around, they say. But what about the injunction to put the mask straight back on when coming out of the water after surfing, for example? Will that hurt business for water sports operators? Of course, for those of us having fun in the water, not wearing a mask is much more convenient. Those of us who are used to masks sometimes put them on of our own accord when we see crowds around. So of course we totally support this policy from Kending National Park and will do all we can to comply. During the National Day long weekend, we expect large numbers of tourists to flock to the beach. So during this period, we'll send officials out to increase our public communications. If we find it's impossible to maintain a safe social distance, we will urge members of the public to put masks on. Tourists are expected to descend on Kunding from all across the country. When crowds get too tight, social distancing becomes impossible. And that's why Kunding wants everyone to get on board with mask wearing this fall. A firefighter in Taoyuan has smashed the national weightlifting record by almost 10 kilograms. Chen Junyang was filmed by colleagues clearing a barbell of 360 kilos. That's more than four times his body weight. But Chen is only the most spectacular in a multitude of incredible fitness experts in the fire department. With a furrowed brow and a heave-ho, this weightlifter clears a new national record. The hexagonal barbell in the video weighs 360 kilograms, four times the weight of Taoyuan firefighter Chen Junyang. The official national weightlifting record is 350.5 kilograms. Chen cleared it by a cool 9.5 kilograms. This female firefighter is a champion barbell lifter, too. The incredible feats of strength of many of Taiwan's firefighters are becoming well-known. Fitness training is an indispensable part of their work. A full suit of kit can weigh a firefighter down 30 kilograms, equivalent to carrying an elementary school student. This stepladder weighs 34 kilograms, and moving it might be considered a two-person job. But after a bit of training, it becomes a test for a true firefighter. Right now, all the members of the team can complete one lift of the ladder in one minute. That includes everyone, male and female. That's come out of our long-term strategic fitness training. This venue, Taoyuan Disaster Education Center, is a bit bigger, so we have a more complete range of equipment than most of the fire department branches. So we can do more thorough training. Next time you spot a firefighter racing to a disaster, spare a thought for the months and years of dedication that they put in to prepare for that moment of service.